Hello and welcome to Raptors in the Kitchen. It is the day after my birthday. Thank you very much, gentlemen. I am Paco Rodriguez. And now you guys have more of my information if you want to steal my bank details, I guess. I, I, got, I got a question for you. Uh, Tommy Rodriguez. Tommy Rodriguez? Tommy Vass has a question for us. You wish it was he wishes his name was Rodriguez. No, I don't. My name's You guys fucking... both just said that same shit. Yeah. My name's no, fucking... he said the opposite from me. My name's fucking Dynamite, man. I love my name. Your name is not Dynamite. I know that for a fact. Dynamite. How old are you? 35. What year were you born? 1983. I had to think. <laughs> I, knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Every year it's the same. You have to fucking think about it. But that time you didn't know. Well, when the bank phoned. I went the bank phone. They sure. asked you for your birthday. No, hold on. No, sorry. I phoned them for something. Like a, a, a overdraft or something. Like I lost my card or some shit. I don't know. And then they asked me what age I was, and I went 33. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and not, not only did it sound like I was guessing, but I was also wrong. How the fuck does that happen? It's because I don't care. That's how it happens. It's just something you know, though. You just know your birthday. Yeah, Tommy, so, uh, time, time's a construct. So, some, yeah, Don't start. Yeah, Tommy. Don't start. Why don't you try expanding your fucking worldview and shit? That's <laughs> actually a reference to a film we're going to be talking about later on. Uh, so, I'm also joined by another recent birthday boy, Neil McCulloch. Hey! What age are you? Well, if I am 38 years old. What age are you on the inside? About 36. <laughs> <laughs> so pretty accurate then. Yeah. Uh, uh, how, are, how are you gentlemen been doing? I'm um, not bad. Not bad. Yeah. Um, I went away for a week. Uh, oh, man, that was, that was, was good. There was raptor silence. There was nothing. I mean, there was an attempt. I, I put up a couple of trailers. Yeah. You just didn't do a net though, right? Uh, no, no. There was an attempt yeah. to organise episodes, but then like life got in the way. Right. Life didn't what, find a way, is what I'm saying. Right, what happened? What actually happened? I, well, I, I, first of all, we were going to do the, the podcast on the Monday. Right. So my birthday was a Sunday. Oh, wait, yeah, I, I, I know, I I know went what happened. I went to Skate Perry. Yeah, don't say anything to incriminate yourself. No to do anything on Monday. <laughs> um, and you? What do you mean, Andrew? Your thoughts? What was what was happened the rest of the week for you? Uh, I, I mean, I was just like mega knackered and stuff, man. But then, like things didn't really line up, and we had like limited days. That uh, like I asked uh, our friend Lee and our friend Alan if they could step in to to fill the Tommy shaped hole in the podcast. Um, but then, like schedules just didn't really work out and stuff. And then, like you know, the weather was like roasting, and it left left me dead tired after working that and. And, they, mm. and this is all really Neil's fault, is what I'm trying to say. Like, because if if Neil, <laughs> well, no, it's actually all really Tommy's fault because there's no no Skype from his mothers. I mean, do you want to try uh, a podcast over Skype with Highland Internet? You don't. I know. Want to try I know that. it's like 1942 up there. But yeah. You don't want to try that. And also, I found that really sweet. You're as if to say Tommy wasn't here, and he's the glue that holds it together. That's very nice, you, Neil. Thanks very much. You're the poxy resin. That, uh, <laughs> I just let's, let's just leave it at that. I'll take that. Don't know what take it means. It. Um, it's a fancy way of stain glue. It's like a, a kind of two part glue. It's called sides. But so anyway, what was the day? <laughs> was it, what was the day with the glue that in like primary school you used to stick in your hand so that you can then oh, peel it off? Oh. Was that that wasn't like I want to say not PVC glue because that's no no. I think it. It was PVC. No, I think you're right. I think it is PVC yeah. glue. 
PVA. PVA. Because PVC is a form of clothing, is it not? Well, not plastic. Material. Yeah, right. Aye. Uh, but that, that shit was fun. You look like the type of person who would eat the glue as a child. I know. I was not one of those children. I was not. I was not one of those children that was like. I can see that. that that's a fun substance. I'll eat it. I was like, no, no. It's like no. You were, you were told not to eat it, so you didn't eat it. Plus, it didn't smell very nice. Yeah. 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 No. Uh, it you was. It. it was pretty fun, like uh, peeling it off your fingers. Though oh, it was cool as fuck. I'd still do that. See if I was like in a. I don't know. In some setting where they had that glue, I, I would absolutely fucking still do that. Tommy, would it rock your world if I told you that you're an adult and can buy that glue whenever you want? No, I wouldn't want to make it a hobby or anything like that. I'm just saying that, I don't know, if like I was attending something with my wee cousins, like an arts and crafts thing, and they were wanting to do some kind of arts and crafts and that glue was available... I would, as well as help them, I would do that, like, occasionally. Just be like, oh, that's cool as fuck. But I'm not going to sit in my right. room and do that. I got better shit probably, to do. You're, you're probably going to have to cut this next bit, but I have to make this joke. Don't say it then. Just don't say it, because I don't want to have to go in and edit this. I want to just get the podcast done and then fucking publish it without having to go through it and take out all the points where you thought you were a gangster and then regretted it later. <laughs> that is a really... Fucking excellent way of describing Neil's misdemeanors. <laughs> Make the joke if you still remember it after we finished recording. Yeah. Otherwise, oh. incur the wrath of the internet and the Canadians that apparently listen to us. Yeah, that's yeah. Those okay. comments are oh, Raptors yeah. After Dark. <laughs> Subscribe to our Patreon if you want to hear what Neil's shitty world views are. I hope we maybe listen to that. Um, do you want to get straight to the news there, gentlemen? Oh, you've got a football what, was game. Was Let's go for it. <laughs> I do. I've got Brazil, Belgium to watch. Right. Idris Elba is gonna is set to star as the villain in the Fast and Furious spin-off, uh, Hobbs and Shaw. You know, Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson's character, Jason Statham's, it's, that's a thing that's happening. Okay. And yeah. Uh, it's going to be written by Chris Morgan, who... Is this basically just to get rid of Vin Diesel? No, this is just... No, there's still be another Fast and Furious. Yeah, yeah, but like, don't they notoriously like fucking hate each other now? So like, I think folk I think it's, it's to get it's to get the Rock out of the main yeah. series. It's a starting vehicle. For also, him. also, it kind of highlighted that they were the best things in the last Fast and Furious movie. Yeah, that, I would say that. Because okay. the rest of it was shit. I wouldn't say that. Um, yeah, so I, mean, I that, have thoughts on that film. Idris <laughs> Elba is awesome. a good actor. Yeah, awesome. I, I don't think I've ever seen him as a villain. I mean, he's he's an anti-hero in Luther because he's not really a hero in it. I mean, he's, 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 he's like he's, traditionally he's, the good guy, though, isn't he? Like, yeah, um, I don't kind of think of anything. I've seen him as a villain. Oh wait, no. What was the film where he's training young? It's like it's, it's set in South Africa. Is it Beasts of oh, something? Oh, the Beasts of Nation. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the, I've just seen my son. Yeah, I again, I've not yeah. seen it, but I think he's supposed to be... A, oh, and also, depending on how you look at it, uh, he's, uh, Russell Stringer Bell in the, the Wire is... He's a villain. I mean, like, it's actually quite surprising that he's not in more villain roles because you could see him being a good villain. He's, he is good. See, as Stringer Bell, he's fucking excellent. Yeah. <clears throat> but then again, pretty much... Like, his, whole, his whole arc for the season three of that show... And the way he plays it is really, really oh, good. His whole, his whole arc, it just the fucking whole thing yeah. is brilliant. 
I mean, would I tell? Would you believe me, Paco, if I told you Dominic West is actually amazing in that? You've tried to convince me of this before, but everything I've seen Dominic West in, he is flat out shit. The Wire is the only good good thing that Dominic West. The Wire is the only thing that Dominic West is ever good in. So, like Dominic West, if I'm getting this right, was Lara Croft's dad in the most recent Terminator. Yes, in the Punisher War Zone. He was fucking terrible in both those films. That I can't the, think of anything. That else. was the first thing I seen him in was Punisher War Zone. I was like, what the fuck? And then you watch The Wire, like, oh no, this guy can act. He just I, I find him hilarious in Punisher War Zone. Oh, because it's so bad. It's so shit. Who, like, what was the name of that big dude that was the Punisher in that film? He was in like that. TV oh, he was in Rome. Rome. Yeah. Um, what was that guy called? He was alright. The, the Rise of the Foot Soldiers. An outpost. He was an outpost. Oh right? shit! It'll come back to me. It'll okay. Come back to me. Then, just um, he's an Australian guy. Is he? No, he's English. You sure? I think he's Aussie. <clears throat> he's English. Sure. Some kind of foreigner. Uh, so moving um, on. Ray Stevenson. Aye. Aye, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. Well done. It did. It came back to him. Mm-hmm. Um, other casting news. Uh, Miles Teller has been cast as Goose's son in the upcoming Top Gun sequel. Oh, okay. Again. I saw the rumour that he might be. I didn't know he'd got it. No, that's confirmed. Uh, again, <clears throat> like, not much else to say. Miles Teller can be good when he's got the right material. Yeah, he was a. I had a mm-hmm. He was good in Whiplash. Yeah, um, not so much in Fantastic Four, but nobody was. Who's the pound store version of him that was in Ready Player One? Oh, we don't know. Oh, yeah, he, he, he is the pound store guy. Yeah. Um, That's what it was him first time I saw that trailer. Yeah. Mm. It was like some tires or something's name, isn't it? Or tires yeah. or something. Like no, who cares? Um, Brad Dourif is set to stick with the creators of Child's Play. Um, to voice Chucky in the TV series, <coughs> but he won't be in the new MGM reboot of the film. Uh, Brad Dourif has been the voice of Chucky since the first movie. Um, the TV series is said to be a continuation from the films. However, a uh, creator of the series, Don Mancini, is also planning to continue the film franchise with Universal. Now, I found that confusing, because I was like, wait a minute, how can you do that but MGM are able to retool the film. Surely only someone has the rights to that. The TV rights and the movie rights will be different things though, right? Yeah. yeah no, but hold different. on. As I said there, he's, <coughs> Don Mancini is wanting to continue the film franchise with Universal. MGM are doing a reboot film. So how are they able to do that? Right. So who owns the initial rights to the film? See, I thought it was Universal. So I, right. don't, I don't know so, with MGM how they've got any rights to it. Maybe Universal don't see any potential in it, right? As a big screen franchise anymore, right? And MGM bumped them with a script and going, "Well, if you guys are doing your thing, can we do this?" Yeah. And it won't cost Universal any money. They've licensed, they've essentially licensed it out, so they'll get a cut of whatever's coming in from it. Mm-hmm. Is and it kind of like those? Spider-Man: Homecoming with Sony? Yeah, possibly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, I Again. guess in this situation, it's not like they can muddy the fucking reputation of Child's Play because like people don't really don't really think that highly of it. So like <laughs> Chucky has got a cult any, following. Any kind of I've enjoyed them all to a certain degree. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, like the the first one the legitimately late, the fucking, later ones the better. <laughs> the the first one legitimately terrified me as a child because is, is it not the second one that 
legitimately terrifying. No, no, it was it was the first one because I remember like I was at my uncle's house and he he put on a film and he's like, oh, it's called Child's Play, and I think I was like maybe eight or nine, and I was like, I don't want to watch a kids' film. And then later that night, like I used to share a room with my brother and I was pulling his fucking eyelashes off trying to wake him up because I was terrified. <laughs> uh, Child's Play 2 was the one that did it for me. I found that film really fucking funny. <coughs> Is that the one that's like set in a shop or something? Aye, it, it ends up in a mall. I never I never actually saw that. Like, did I not get banned when it came out? No, the third one nah, did because a uh, young like boy, Jimmy Jamie Bulger, was killed by two guys, uh, and the way he was killed was they lured him away from his mum. They were only they were only boys themselves. They lured him away from his mum. He was only a toddler, and they put him on a railway track. I remember that. And he died. The end of Child's Play three. That's how Chucky dies. Spoilers. Right. Fuck. So that film was in fact banned um, because of <coughs> that backlash. Child's um, Play is fucking ridiculous, though. Like I've never seen it as an adult. But like my understanding is that it's just laughably bad. Like I've seen it. I've seen the second one as an adult. Um, I haven't seen the first one in a long time. Like it's it's fine. It's one of those niche horrors. You know what I mean? It's like you know you've got your your Hellraiser, yeah. you've got your Child's Play, you've got your Freddy Kruegers. It's just it's got that kind of. I mean, they still pump some things out on like yeah, DVD, also, like Bride of I, Chucky, Sunset Seed of Chucky. What's what's more ridiculous? A a bad guy who can. Like haunt your nightmares and kill you when you're sleeping, or just a regular criminal who, for some reason, knows witchcraft and puts his soul into a doll that is then immortal. Well, I'll have you know there's that sounds stupid. I'll have, I'll, yeah, I'll have you know there's nothing silly about Freddy Krueger. His the whole idea is fucking excellent. I think you'll find that Freddy Krueger is fucking stupid. That's a great fucking idea. Imagine yeah, it. That first movie's daft. Like, see, he's like running what? after folk with big fucking swaying arms and shit. It's see, like because like, yeah. they're dreaming. Oh, it's daft. It's horrible. It's rubbish. It's not that. It's not that. I could see it being dated. Yes, some of it is very dated, but the actual idea of Freddy Krueger is brilliant. It's a ma- It's a. It's a killer that haunts your dreams. You have to sleep. You, you can't avoid sleep, and he will get you. That is fucking excellent. Yeah, but why does he have to be such a goofball? What do you mean? Why he's such a like with his big stretchy arms and like turning into a car and just all that other ridiculous nonsense? Like that's what... just cheap FX. Yeah, it's that way. It was. It was the eighties. It was a franchise. No, I hadn't been like his ball. That would have been terrifying in the early eighties. It was like we have to think of inventive ways to kill people, and there's a lot of cool deaths in the first Nightmare on Elm Street. It's Johnny Depp in the first one. That's yeah. That he's death is cool as fuck. When she's getting dragged about the walls, that looks that, cool as fuck. That is cool. Is it the first one as well where, like, one of the guys falls asleep and they can, like, see him through, like, a window that's got, like, bars on it, and then, like, the room starts, like, getting set on fire kind of thing? Like, uh, is that the first one? I don't think that's the first one. Um, but there's... there's There is a bit where, like, one of the guys that's is in Freddy jail. versus Jason. Yeah, I was going to say... <laughs> is I, it? Yeah. Yeah. There was a bit in the first one where there's a guy in a jail cell and... I think the folk are trying to look that they can see through the window and they can see him like uh, they can see like a bed sheet going round him oh, and it hangs him and all that and I was like this is it's cool as fuck but I love that movie um, but yeah so what were we I, talking about? we were talking about Child's Play um, oh yeah I've not seen like seen it, I, I think I stopped at Bride of Chucky I, I would watch it I still enjoy Bride of Chucky Bride of Chucky Seed of Chucky there's another one I mean I, again if given the opportunity and they're like, oh, they're on, are you in the mood for it? I'm like, I'll give him in the mood for a daft fucking horror, I'll watch that. I still will, I, at one point I declared I was going to watch all the Hellraiser movies. 
and that's not happened yet. There's a lot of bad Hellraiser movies. Yeah, Again, like exactly. the, the first one and like the, maybe the first half hour of the third one are worth watching. Like the second, the third one's bad. Like. The first half hour of the third the one is pretty fucking good. I didn't mm. like the second one at all. I liked Hellbound. I thought it was a good continuation of the story. Yeah, um, like, see, like the the parts of the third one have like stuck with me for years, though, man. Like all that stuff where like when he finally gets released and all the chains just kind of drop from the ceiling in the nightclub. And like a, the girl who like can't dream, but then like when she becomes a centibite, she's like, "I can dream now. You wouldn't believe the dreams I have." And like mm. the guy who's got like a CD player for a face and he like yeah. ejects yeah. CDs cool. at people to kill them. Like I watched Hellraiser three recently, and it is not good. Like I mean, but oh, again, no, it's not, you, it's you not could watch it as a kind of a bunch of bullshit. But you're like, this is poorly acted. This is fucking daft and it's just whatever but again the start of it's good but you want like the idea of the Cenobites is fun and the, the, yeah. some of the deaths are cool but you could say that about a lot of like the niche horror heads like oh Chucky's daft but see some of the ways he kills people that's kind of cool do they not end up making out as if like the main woman from a Hellraiser 3 her dad is Pinhead because he was like the first one to open the box or something no no they no. they go they go you get a bit of backstory about Pinhead her dad was like a Vietnam vet that died, and Pinhead uses the dream of him to get to her. Right. Or, I think. Yeah, it's there's something like that. What's it's the name like. of the box? Yeah, the, it's just called Pandora's Box. Is it Pandora's Box? No, it's, it's not. It's, uh, it's a something Lament. Is it uh, mentioned? Do you like it? Mind if it was mentioned? I just, you just always notice the puzzle box, I thought. Yeah, no, it, it does have a name. Um... I mean, like, if it didn't officially have a name, people on the internet would have given it a name over time. Like yeah, this. it was also a really cool, if, I mean, if you wanted to uh, invest in the Hellraiser collection, it came in a Pandora's box, uh, the, the box, which mm. was a cool design. It's called the Lament Configuration. I believe that it gets its name from Hellraiser Bloodline, because you see the where you, you see it being created. That's the one when they go to space. Yes, that's in three different time zones. Yeah, and it's or got time like periods. it's got the twins no. from Terminator Two as well. Yeah, at one point right. merge, and it's fucked up. It's got what from Terminator Two? You know the twins, the guys with the mustache. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so there you go. That was that was Charles play. <laughs> um, now I got a couple of pieces of news here. Now we could talk about it, but. It's something we've kind of don't want to get back there's, into. There's just, there's just one more bit of casting that you've missed. Um, is it Nick Cage? No. Oh, as Noir Spider-Man. I was getting to that. What? Right, okay, no, that, it's not we that one. It's uh, Jared Leto is Morbius, the living yeah, vampire. That's official, yeah. Based on the Marvel comic character. Hmm. It should be a Spider-Man spin-off. Yeah. I wonder if that then means that they'll kind of bring Blade into it. There's already talk of Blade reboot. Because like, mm. Morbius was always like really involved with Blade in the, the kind of cartoons and the comics and stuff. It would, it would be, it'll be interesting to see if that is true because Marvel has the rights to Blade back. So essentially, as this is a Sony-produced one, they would have to, they would be lending Sony the rights again. I don't see why they wouldn't do that. Why who, not? Who yeah, would you, it would make who sense would you, to do it. Who would you cast yeah. as Blade now? Would you still cast Wesley Snipes or is he past it? Kate Blanchett. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would watch that. I would absolutely 100% watch that movie. That's it, man. Scarlett Johansson. 
Oh, we're going to get to that. I mean, like, she's big in the whitewashing, so I guess that Well, we, we're going to get to that news. There's more to that stuff anyway. What I was going to say was, uh, James Gunn took to Twitter recently to basically slam Star Wars fans for the treatment they have on their co-stars. Basically saying, like, you know, if it, if it really bother, if Star Wars films bother you that much, don't watch them. Or if they really bother you that much and it's in that, you should seek therapy. There was a but, tweet. There was a tweet I saw. Like I forget who it was from, but like the the tweet was essentially like uh, as a creator, like uh, if we make a, a script or a movie and you don't like it, we are not trying to hurt you. It was. Like, I think that was James Gunn. He was well. He I might, don't. No, I don't think it was. I think it was somebody else. Was like, it, did it come out of the Brad Bird stuff? Oh, I'm not sure, mm. but like that's just such a good tweet to put out though because like well, I mean like we've been doing this for fucking years and some of the times like we do get annoyed enough that it does seem like that's the reaction that we kind of take to things. No, but, but we like, never fucking we never go fan, and personally harass people. What was that, Neil? It's because fandom has become entitled. Yeah, yeah, pretty but, much. But at the same pretty time, much. like we can sit and critique something, but we don't personally harass somebody because of it saying you should fucking die for what you did and yeah. stuff like that. I mean, I know that's well, no, no, again, but that's what I'm saying. The guy, see, that like James Gunn sent a tweet out saying that, like that's unbelievable, and you, if it really bothers you, I might seek therapy. <coughs> um, Christopher McQuarrie also said that he wouldn't do a Star Wars film or a Marvel film because of what fandom has become. Yeah. Um, I also saw another thing as well the actor who played Jar Jar Binks Ahmed Best that's what I was going yeah. to see this this is all related but we don't have to get into it because I know that we've already kind of talked yeah. about it but we're going over old ground but again yeah Ahmed Best basically well, yeah, said that he, he was he was thinking yeah. about suicide and all that when it when Phantom Menace came out which is like that did, that did made you? me feel guilty because like I've not been a part of the people who like are slamming Rose and Ray and being sexist and racist and all that sort of shit but like I definitely was one of those people who fucking you know, just was vehemently passionate about how much I hated Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, but you were vehemently... Like, I didn't direct it at him, I didn't exactly. like tweet him or anything, no. but like, that's still, I was part of that culture that fucking was like, Jar Jar's a fucking moron, like... Yeah, again, I hear you, like, but we were, I think we're all of us were that, but if anything, right, we're all more, well, I certainly, I was just mad at George Lucas and some of his decisions, but... Mm. Yeah, I've never... I wouldn't... I don't think I could ever be that kind of guy where I personally harass the yeah. actor portraying a fictitious character to the point where it upsets him that much they're wanting to do <coughs> suicide. That yeah. is fucking disgusting. That, like, what, that particular what if that actor owed you 50 bucks? <laughs> 50 bucks? No, no. But that, no. Like, he, was saying how he, was like, he was only 25 years old and he had like people telling him that he ruined their childhoods and stuff like that and getting death threats and shit. Mm-hmm. And like he thought about suicide for so long. But like now he's got a kid and stuff, and he sees his kid as like a reward for not committing suicide. Yeah, know? yeah, it was, it was still it's touching. It is but, touching, but again, like many a times, I'm like Ridley Scott needs to fucking be stopped. He needs to be stopped making films, etc., etc. But I don't. I would never say that man needs to die or he should be killed for the fucking crimes he's in. Like, I wouldn't see, say that. That's see, like, fucking sin, bad. That's, since we started talking about this, though, I think you did say something along the lines of he should be killed when. A, which is face oh fuck man what's his name Rob Zombie uh, remade Halloween you were pretty upset about that no what I said <laughs> what I said about Rob Zombie I never said he should be killed I said Rob Zombie because of the crime of commi- he committed with remaking Halloween shouldn't be allowed to do any form of entertainment media ever including music and I'm pretty sure <laughs> and I never said I never threatened his life or said he should die that's fucking in, bad in an episode of Raptors in the Kitchen maybe five years ago 
something like that. I'm pretty sure I said that Paul W.S. Anderson should have his hands cut off so he can no longer write or go near anything to do with films. Well, that's on you, man. That's on you. The opinions of Paco Rodriguez don't necessarily reflect the opinions of everyone who rappers in the kitchen. Are you defending Paul W.S. Anderson? I'm not saying his hands should be cut off. I'm just a bit, I mean, When you could say, I think the man's a hack, then he's a hack. I don't think his fucking life should be threatened, though. So like sometimes I just like you know don't like someone's films or whatever, but I would never say, oh, you know, I would never take to Twitter and say, you know, you'd be better off dead and stuff like that, or really like threaten harass someone to that point. That's fucking bad, man. Okay. Anyway, that was. I mean, that was all. The, the Star yeah, we've, Wars we've established yeah. that Star Wars fans uh, are assholes. But yes, so. uh, as Neil is, <coughs> was, we're talking about casting. Nick Cage is set to join the voice cast of the animated feature Spider Man into the Spider Verse as Spider Man Noir. It was part of uh, a dark alternative history set in uh, 1933. One so of the, a, a very popular uh, character and a very popular alternative storyline. So this is starting to sound more and more like the uh, the game that came out a while back called Shattered Dimensions, where there was four different Spider-Men, one of which was the noir, noir one. And the comic book series that, is that like a couple like, of years ago, Spider-Verse. Okay, same thing, okay. Yeah, like, um, as, I, as, as I said, apparently a very popular comic a very popular character do you know what actually now that I think about it I don't like this I don't I think Nick Cage is a total hack <laughs> like uh, <laughs> I don't want him near How something that's potentially <laughs> going to be good Nick Cage is in one of my favourite movies of yeah, this year yeah don't get oh this year okay I don't know about that but like you Nick didn't Cage see, you didn't see it Neil yeah. see it mum and dad it was, was fucking great Nick Cage is only good ironically yeah, I mean, no. don't get me wrong. Yeah, no, like, had, we, when we watch Mom and Dad, same way you watch Crank. As much as the state is awesome and all that, you're just like, right? With Mom and Dad, we got exactly what we wanted, and that was a very fucking fun, ridiculous zombie. Well, kind of zombie film, and the cage just doing what the cage does best when he cages out the walls. Cage. Do you think he'll ever have a, a Matthew McConaughey's No, he will not. But no. what I will say is, see, um, he has been praised, not ironically, for his performance in the trailer for Mandy, which we will talk about later. I'm pretty sure I've seen this trailer, but can't remember anything about it. Well, we'll talk. So about again, it balls to the walls, cage. But again, it, it looks good though, man. It looks like yeah, it's kind of it fucked so. up. Point, yeah. point being though is like if you're actually like looking forward to something like legitimately hearing that Nick Cage is going to voice one of the actors in it, uh, one of the characters in it, does not fill you with confidence, right? And no, I think some Nick Cage sometimes is a mixed bag. Like uh, he's good in Kickass, and then every now and then he does like a wee kind of indie feature, like. Um, uh, I I I liked um, Bad Lieutenant Protocol in New Orleans, um, and you also have to remember that a lot of stuff that Nick Cage puts out now is based on the fact that he's skint yeah. and needs to work, yeah. so well, it's no that, given like a hundred percent. That fucking gigantic pyramid tomb that he owns in New Orleans isn't going to pay for itself, is it? Yeah, or the castle in Germany, or that I think it was like a T Rex diamond encrusted. Thing he, he had something. It was it was a weird artifact. You're like, why do you own that? Why do you need it, Cage? Yeah, anyway. get, he get loads of stuff ripped off. So well, that's true. Actually, he, uh, there was a big thing. And he, he's um, his accountant was fucking them over as well. He did indeed. So loads of his cash. Mm-hmm. Um. Yes. So I I 
I'm fine with Nick Cage voicing Spider-Man. Yes, because you don't care about Spider-Man. That's not true. This is coming back to Neil's point about like uh, fandoms being like feeling entitled. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> I'm open to suggestions. Like I've, I've loved Spider-Man since uh, the nineties show, the nineties cartoon, and like I want it to be good. I don't think that Nick Cage is somebody who adds merit to something. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say. I mean, yeah, you get entitled fandom, and I'll be honest. Um, when um, I'm going to tweet him later, telling him I hope he dies. That's all I'm saying. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, when the dark, the Dark Knight Returns animated film came out, and they found out it was Peter Weller that was voicing Batman, I was like, "Oh no!" And the reason for that is because Peter Weller is Robocop. He will yeah. always be Robocop. And also the Robocop. only Batman that should ever be is fucking Kevin, that is Kevin, Kevin Conroy. It should be Kevin Conroy. He's fucking he, Batman. He nailed it. None of this Peter Weller pitch. But it just, that's, see, listening to Peter Weller being Batman or even, it's not just the voice. It's not just the fact that it was in an animated show and you didn't see him. Even <clears> like <throat> in shite like Star Trek Into Darkness, you're like, I mean, you're the villain, right? But you're Robocop. You will, you will always be Robocop to us because you only do the one fucking voice. It's, he's got that, you know, you know what I mean? Nasal kind of It's just that way. It's like, oh, you're Batman. No, you're not. You're Peter Weller. You're Robocop. What's the name of Jim for the neighbours again? What's his actual name? Alan Dale. Alan Dale. Aye. Alan Dale. For some reason, when you were talking about uh, Peter Weller. Alan Dale is like, many folk. He's I, many think, folk. I think it's just because I know that they're both, like, they kind of look similar and they're both in Star Trek movies. Uh, but Alan Dale's in loads. He's a Winter Soldier. Okay, is he? What? Uh, he's yeah. One of the, he's one of the. See when Robert Redford's talking to like that council, of, well, that group of folk. Oh yeah, yeah. He's yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. Best way to think about it, Paco, is one of them is Robocop, and one of them is in the Sequest DSV, and you will know the difference. Mm. Fair enough. Mm. I kind of want to watch that again, but like, no, you, no, this, you don't. This podcast you don't want to watch that again. I kind of do though, Neil. I kind of do. Let's move on, though. Let's move on. Okay. Uh, Netflix is reported to be spending twelve to thirteen billion dollars on content this year, including releasing eighty-two films in twenty eighteen, which is four times the output of Warner's and eight times that of Disney. So it is outselling the big studios. I mean, because everybody knows that it's quantity trumps quality every time. Yeah. Uh, when you look at the quality, this after being put out. Yeah. No, that great. No, it's like one or two out of ten stuff that yeah. is really good. I, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that or not. Like, I think that more often than not, when they bring out a TV show, it completely lands for that demographic that it's aimed at. Well, uh, fucking Globe is awesome. Yeah, like, m- most of the shows that they make, like, when it's actually catered to a specific audience, like, it ends up being good for that audience. Even, like, the, the anime stuff, like... They seem to specialise in anime for Western audiences, and it tends mm. to generally be not great but good. Like it, it's, it's I, all watchable. I right? do agree with you on that one, but see, Glow, I think Glow's not ex- not necessarily catered to the wrestling audience. Uh, Glow is a good drama. It's funny. Yeah, Glow, it's Glow feels like it's, it's directed not at wrestling fans, yeah. but the wider audience. 
because also, that, those are the ones that need to draw us in. Yeah, I also think that the movies have been better than people make out as well. Bright, no, but there's been some good ones. Bright wasn't great, but it was entertaining. Yeah, Bright, Bright was one of those films where it got a fucking lot of backlash that it didn't really it didn't deserve. deserve it. It, yeah, totally didn't it was kind of like John Carter. You're like, right. man, I mean, that, like, that wasn't as bad as it would have made it out to Annihilation, I really liked. I know that you had problems with it, but like, I thought that was a really good movie. Good ending. Not so much. Everything and they else. had like the Duncan Jones one. Mute. Like I didn't actually watch Hold that. But... Step back for a second, Tommy. You mm-hmm. said Annihilation has a good ending, but nothing else. No, it had a good ending, but there was other things about it that I had problems with. But we're not going to get into that because we've done that. So Alex Garland actually learned how to end a movie. He did that with Ex Machina, mate. I did. He, he did. Have you not seen Ex Machina? Ex Machina is a great movie. That is actually a good film, but don't watch it for just the stinger ending kind of thing, because like if you do, then that's... x isn't... I mean, it's not necessarily, oh, it's the stinger ending, whereas Annihilation, I think, in many ways relies on the ending, but it's just everything up until like, the ending, I, I, like, I was like, do you I know, buy do that, you know like, that doesn't fucking a- make sense. Annihilation... But I'm, I'm in the minority, like, minority, everybody loved it. Totally non-spoiler here, like, but Annihilation, when it gets to like the end of that film... Like, you can tell there are a million different ways that that could have gone wrong and became just a generic sci-fi thing. What they did with it, like, not the very end, but, like, the last, the second, you know, the, the kind of built, the, mo- the main last sequence. The main like, last sequence. Do you know what I mean? Like, not, like, the not the last scene. Right. Uh, but, like, the, the whole kind of last... Oh, the build-up. Right, build right, 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 right. I want you to know. Right, right, right. Like, right. that whole thing was, like, so different from anything else I've ever seen. It, it, did, like, it did well. It was just... Yeah. The set-up to a lot of it, I'm like, I don't buy that. But, um... Was, I, I am in the minority. I'm like, the same as The Guest. I'm the only one that didn't like that film, but every fucking... But everybody else loved it. Yeah, but the point being, though, is, like, Netflix, I think, are doing, like, a decent job of bringing out, like... If not great, then good content generally. Like they yeah. seem to be actually putting the money into people's hands that know how to make shit. It's, it's kind of it reminds me of like the seventies, like new wave of auteurs in America, where you had like William Friedkin and Francis Copeland. That where the the studios didn't know what the fuck they were doing, and then you had all these folk come along and they were being trusted with like uh, to to write this script or to direct this film, and it was. It was appealing. It was more like European inspired filmmaking. It was appealing to the masses. It was making like 80 million, 100 million dollars. But then the studios snapped up folk like Lucas and Spielberg and were like, oh, we've got the talent now, so we, we know how to do this now. Netflix is kind of doing that, where it's like, if you rein in the talent that the studios won't let, it's like, we're not going to let you make that film. And they're already doing it with the likes of Duncan Jones. Martin Scorsese's due a film this year as well. And I was like, if you continue to do that, then there's no reason why that couldn't be that research. Like, yeah, well, yeah. we've got the talent and the money and we trust <coughs> these folk and we're, and we're going to give them a lot of leeway that the studios won't do. Are there any particular directors that you guys would like Would you see? say, Tommy, that... Tommy, would you say that Netflix are the new Japan of the streaming world? <laughs> uh, Did you manage to sneak a fucking wrestling reference into this podcast? Uh, yes, Neil. I yes, would, yes, I did. Uh, I would agree with that, Neil. Yes, I would. Okay. Okay. Let's see what's like. Are there any directors you would like to see Netflix kind of partner with? Um. Again, it just depends because you get some directors that I really enjoy that seem to be allowed to do what they want and it makes money. Uh, Wes Anderson. 
Okay. It's like, all right, yeah, it's, he, he just, he doesn't see, you never read, oh, he walked from a studio because they wouldn't let him. Um, what was the last thing Drew Goddard did? Uh, no, it wasn't The Martian. Um, he's got one coming up, though. He's got that A one. Netflix one? No, no, he's got the, the one about the hotel where it's got um, Chris Hemsworth uh, and a bunch of other folk where... Oh, fuck, I remember. You know what I'm talking about? We, we talked about the trailer. It's Is like Hotel Armus? no. It's no. like it's like hotel. Oh fuck! It's got like a Spanish sounding name at the end. I can't remember. Hotel Spanish sounding. It's name. like Hotel L something. I can't remember. But El Camino or something. Chris Hemsworth's in it. Um, I think not Michael Madsen. Um, there's a few folk in it. It's like an an ensemble piece, <clears> but it looks kind of quirky. It looks like there's a bit of murder, a bit of action, and Bad it's like times at the El Royale. There you go, the El Royale, and it is that way. It's like it's something to do with the fact that the hotel. Is on the border. Is it not on the border of like Mexico and America? You know, is it not like there's some kind of border thing where jurisdiction is a thing? I don't remember that from the no, because it won't be that because it's in Lake Tahoe. All right, okay. Sorry, I fucking fucking miles away from Mexico. Sick man. Right. Well, anyway, we'll move on. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I don't know. There's some directors that vehemently won't work with Netflix because they're quite traditional. Yeah, yeah, they're like the, the ones who... Chris Nolan's one yeah. of them. Yeah, the uh, ones who see it as like a threat to cinema, like traditional yeah. cinema. But there you go. Um, we talked earlier <clears throat> about Scarlett Johansson, the ghost, ghost in the Shell, the whitewashing, all that. Scarlett Johansson is set to play... Um, she set star in... Uh, is it Robin Tug? Yeah. Yeah. As and it's uh, it's a she's it's a biopic of uh, Tex Gill, who was a transgender uh, boss of um, it was like illicit uh, massage parlors and uh, like a prostitution ring, and I think was even involved in steroids, uh, giving steroids yeah, to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And this was in the seventies. So basically, she's played a transgender person, and she's getting backlash for it. Is in like the transgender person. Was male, but like girl, chose girl, to be. girl to man. Okay, um, but she has been getting a lot of backlash off of the LGBTQ um, actors and on Twitter and very, various folks saying that this is the kind of role that should be catered. Uh, it's it's like it's taking it away from yeah, actors yeah. and actresses of that uh, ilk, and it's kind of there's been a lot of backlash. And, like, I mean, then, it's understandable. But um, a publicist, uh, well, I don't know if it was a publicist, it was an unidentified rep of Scarlett Johansson's, published a statement on her behalf saying, uh, tell them um, they can be directed to Jeffrey Tambor, Jared Leto, and Felicity Huffman's reps for comment. Basically, because those three people yeah, played transgender roles, won awards for it, and that's the point. Uh, yeah, so... But I mean, I mean, yet again, though, like two wrongs don't make a right. Do you mean like? It's also the, it's also the guy that directed Ghost in the Shell. So I know you're not going to watch <gasps> it. <laughs> burn it, burn it to the ground. Which I find interesting because Scarlett Johansson seems to be getting uh, the backlash. I don't see his name being dragged through. Yeah. Ultimately, he's the director. He's in charge of casting, and it's like. See, I, I feel that uh, representation is important. The diversity is important. Yep. However, I can see from 
when it comes down to filmmaking as a business. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like and, this thing, though, like, I know where you're getting with this, like, names sell seats. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, like, no, it would, no, you're right, you're absolutely right. Like, it's, yeah. this movie with, like, the same director, but with an actual transgender person in mm-hmm. that role would not do anywhere near as well. Um, and that's, like, that's a horrible fact. Yeah, it's a, it's a, a, fact. a horrible fact in the world we live in. Yeah. But the thing is, uh, you know, progressive times, and it might come to a point where it is like, you know, there are several actors and actresses that are transgender, um, you know, lesbian, gay, you know, that kind of thing where it's like they are box office material to the point where it's like these kind of roles will open up, not only uh, in the TV shows and studios and that, where it will just be the norm is like, oh yeah, you can cast someone like that who is that kind of name. But it's it's one of those things. Unfortunately, I know what you mean. I mean, I'm this is. Yeah. I'm not saying it's right. It's just it, like you said, Neil. It's a business, and it's it's kind of like Eddie Redmayne nearly won an Oscar. His name never got mentioned. I mean, he nearly won yeah. an Oscar for the Danish Girl, and again, like that was. I don't remember any backlash about that. And that was about the first. Was it the first ever reported? Um, transgender's surgery. It was like the first person that actually transformed from male to female. And again, I, I don't remember. There, there probably was backlash, but this think, is the first time. I think you'll find the, the term is transitioned because they're not robots in disguise, Tommy. They're people. Okay, <laughs> transitioned. Uh, but the point being is, maybe there was backlash, but this is the first. I don't. I think by Scarlett Johansson's per, uh, unidentified uh, rep saying that it's ad, it's kind of f- adding not fuel yeah, to fire. Yeah, it's, you know it's, it's mean? ruffling yeah. feathers. Yeah, but like this is like Neil right like take her out of this and like that movie is going to take a hit if you put like an actual transgender actor in there because there are no big name transgender actors at this current point in time the, well, and the, that is the bigger issue I guess like yeah. if if this character wasn't like the central pillar to this movie mm-hmm. if it was like a side character I could definitely see the argument more for mm-hmm. yeah but I, I, yeah from a business standpoint yeah absolutely. which is that still fucking sucks that yeah, is still horrible yeah, yeah, it is, yeah it's, 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 it's shite that's the way the business yeah, that's is that's Hollywood just though and that because yeah. I mean yeah anyway that's that's the news gentlemen um, move on trailers uh, we talked about Mandy um, so what is this like, did we talk about it a lot like, I don't no me and Neil well, we mentioned it me and Neil watched the trailer and I'm sure I've seen this but like I just can't, can't remember anything about it it's the thing is it's a strange trailer because you don't really know what it's about no uh, what it is um, it's a cult steals Nicolas Cage's daughter All right, and okay. he goes uh, to get her back or maybe it was like I, I, I'm at the trailer I see it was just a, a, a lot of images and I was like I don't really fucking I, I think I must I'll, I'll have read whatever blurb right. in the article with it yeah whereas you all just watched the trailer yeah I, I watched the trailer and I was like there's, there's <laughs> enough fucking in peasant there's enough in this where I'm like okay but then moving on to a trailer again where there was no English subtitles. It was uh, Wolf Brigade, and I'm like, visually, I'm in. But I, don't I really thought know it was about. Eh? I thought it looked the tits. It did look the tits, uh, but I'm like, I don't really on, know what this is about. What it's is based that? on the, am- the anime Jin Roll Wolf Pack. Hmm. Uh, Wolf Brigade, sorry, not Wolf Pack. Yeah. It's another wrestling reference. <clears throat> um, which, I'm not going to lie, I know nothing about. So, this is like a live action thing, though. Yeah. Brilliant. It's, it's from the yeah, director. It's a, it's a live action. The most I know is that the original set in Japan, this one moves it to Korea. 
that's all I know. Yeah, and it's, it's it's from the director of I Saw the Devil, and I Saw the Devil is a cool fucking movie. So I'm like, yeah. Well, so what is this though? Like, is it actual literal wolves or is it? No, 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 no. It's soldiers. It's soldiers, right? right. But again, there's a series of images where you're like, right, there's some form of siege by some army and uh, folk are running away and there's shootouts. I think it's like a fascist kind of dystopian future. Yeah, that's right. that's the kind of picture. But a highly technology. But there's no English sub So America about. present day then is what you're telling me? Ooh. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Uh, can I just defend my thing about the literal wolves there though there's an anime called Wolves Bane which is actually about actual wolves and I was, just, I was okay. thinking of that like a okay right. um, <clears throat> The Predator another trailer that like <sighs> each successive trailer that comes out for that film makes me less interested in it yeah. it's like man it, it, it reeks of desperation you're like it just, it just looks so cheap yeah. yeah it's like that's three trailers in what a month and a half so yeah. this one introduces the upgrade predator which is a predator who's like a bit bigger and red for some reason mm. uh, you get a bit more detail with the plot with like it, most of this film looks like it's going to be set in that kind of military base mm. uh, also I was telling Tommy this earlier in the week apparently the entire script for this was leaked last year but the reason nobody spoke about it is because it was that bad that everybody assumed it was fake. Ah. <laughs> I, I've also seen uh, a kind of rumour slash fan theory cutting about that, um, they, well, they tell you that the the Predators have been taking DNA samples from yeah. all the races yeah. that they kind of conquer. Uh, so the, the reason that the big super terror, uh, big super one is, is if the they've injected DNA into him, and it's Dutch from Predator ones. That's no, that's not true. Like a, apparently a. Oh Ar- good. I'm so happy that's not true. A Arnie was approached and asked if he wanted to be anything to do with this movie, and like he got to read the script and told them to fuck off. Good. I'm so uh, happy. That. Which shows you just how bad this is because Arnie has been in some fucking pretty yeah, bad films. Like he chose he chose to do Terminator Genesis and didn't yeah, do that. Genesis, yeah shit fucking the new yeah. one. Uh, but yeah, like the, the DNA thing is like even worse than you think though, because like apparently they've now retconned it where rather than just taking like people's skulls and spines as trophies, they now literally <laughs> extract the DNA from the spinal cord and inject it into themselves to make them stronger. Uh, and like the, there's apparently in this movie there are a faction of predators who defected from the predator homeworld and are working with the CIA in Area 52 that fucking and the, can't be right that's the, fucking you know, the, uh, kind the, of the, <laughs> the the giant predator is actually a predator bounty hunter who's been sent to earth to uh, assassinate the predators who work with humanity <laughs> Also, the uh, the main army that guy. Sounds, it sounds so awful. It, but I'm them no, <laughs> it just it sounds completely irredeemable. The main <laughs> army guy, like his son, is autistic, and they just use that trope of because he's got autism, he is like a, a savant. Yeah, like so he just like understands the predator language, and that's how he ends up being able to control their technology, including the ship. 
This uh, I'm, like, I'm actually, like, this I, is the script. Like, don't get me wrong I, here, man. I, I apologise. I'm spoiling pre- the Predator. This is the script that I'm talking about right now. These things actually happen in the film. That, we don't that know like, that yet. That sounds like, we do. That sounds like stuff out like Dark Horse Comics. Yeah, yeah it does. It's bad. The Predator stuff. Because really a lot bad. of their Predator stuff goes really daft. Yeah. Man. But yeah, like all, all the, the leaked script Shame. stuff, like uh, the, all the trailers that have came out completely line up with what was in the script. So the script was accurate, just it was so bad, no one spoke about it because they didn't think it was real. Uh, That's where we're at with, uh, with the Predator franchise. Fuck's sake. Um, Yardy. That's the next trailer um, as Idris Elba's directorial debut. Um, I, I saw this this afternoon before seeing Whitney. Mm-hmm. And there was about three other people in the screen. Uh... And I audibly couldn't stop laughing at Stephen Graham's accent. <laughs> I don't know why. Right, do you want right? Give a quick rundown of the trailer. All right, okay. Yardy's about uh, a boy in Jamaica. Uh, he sees his brother get gunned down by the local mafia. He obviously is a bit upset by this. As he grows up, he becomes a bit of a tearaway, starts noising cunts up. Uh, so this is the plot it. to Luke Cage season two. <laughs> like, so, he gets, so he gets given a load of drugs. This uh, is Luke Cage season cocaine, two. Cocaines, I do believe, uh, and gets sent to London to deliver these drugs. And while he's there, he meets up with his ex girlfriend and what I took to be his daughter. Not yeah, properly that. said, but yeah, you get that daddy. impression. Yeah. And deliver these drugs to Stephen Graham. Who, you all know who Stephen Graham is, isn't yeah. he? I don't uh, recognise the name, if I'm being honest. No, Northern, Northern English actor. Very broad Scouse accent. Yeah. Like, who, like, name one role he's played that I would know. Oh, okay, he's in, uh, he's in The Departed. He's in, who's he in The Departed? Is he not in The Departed? No, he's in Gangs of New York. He's in, um, oh, Snatch. He's right, okay, in I the think, Damned United. I think I know who you're talking about. He's Statham's pal and Yeah, snatch. I think I know who you're talking about. But yeah. So he, he's, got, he, he's got this mad afro going on and he talks in a, oh, yeah, man, I'm from Jamaica. A, ra- a Rastafarian accent. accent from, and it, it's why. so hilarious and so offensive at the same time. It was weird. But yeah, it looked yeah. all right. It, he yeah, also had it, like a... A um, submachine gun in 1970s London, and they're rushing each other. It looked alright. Uh, yeah, looked tense. It looked like it was. It looked like it, it goes places. Um, quite stylish as well. You know, it's like oh well. I mean, I'll watch it definitely. Yeah. Um, I think though, I noticed at the end of the trailer, uh, and you get this quite a lot in trailers, is it gives you this wee wee title screen, and then it gives it tells you the name. Then you get a uh, featuring the music of and list loads of artists, mm. and that made me kind of think of I have never been sold on a film by them telling me like Oasis has got a song in a film or like Queens of the Stone Age has a song in a film. Mm. Does that who would that work on as advertising? Uh, I mean, like this is this is like an edge case, but. I, back in the day when like 80s bands did entire soundtracks for movies like 
Queen Highlander, Queen doing Highlander and stuff like that, and like uh, they, their copy of Metropolis. Like I've not seen that. Like I've seen the version of Metropolis that doesn't have their soundtrack to it. I, I would watch that movie. Right, again. Okay, I think I think okay, Metropolis. Yes, given that it's a silent film, so it's all about your score. That would be a draw. But how many folk are going to see Highlander purely based on Queen? I bet there was a fair few. It it wouldn't have hurt ticket sales. What about who was it that did the fucking soundtrack for Suspiria, Neil? Who was that again? Try think. Gob. Yeah, and that that soundtrack's got a lot uh, that enhances that film. I mean, like also, yeah. I I went to watch. What the fuck was the name of it? The Daft Punk film. Interstellar five five five. No, none of the one they did after that, where it's just like them walking through the fucking desert with no oh, music. Pages. I was thinking about that today, actually. Yeah, like because on on the back of Interstellar five 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 five, I thought this was going to be the same as that, and like we went to watch it and we're fucking mm-hmm. bored at our tits, but we were there because it was Daft Punk. So this does yeah, happen. Yeah. Hmm. What the fuck was that film called? Don't know. But I'm pretty yeah, Daft Punk directed it. Yeah. Well, whilst that's whilst doing a bit of fact checking, last trailer was a Hotel Artemis. This looks interesting. Yeah, it looks like somebody watched John Wick and really liked the idea of the hotel, but wanted it to be a hospital instead. It's got yeah, it's got that kind of. I don't. It's got that kind of smoking aces. Aye, a wee bit, yeah. It's got that kind of, I don't want to say goofy, it does look a bit goofy, but it, it look, I like the look of it. I like the actual, the cinematography and the actual colours to it. It looked really cool. But basically the trailer is uh, Jodie Foster runs the hotel. Jodie Foster, I was trying to remember her name. Jodie Foster's looking rough in that. <laughs> Jodie Foster runs a hotel, uh, well... A hospital. Yeah. But the, the, the front is it's a hotel. But it's basically a hospital for criminals where... If you've been involved in, you know, any criminal activities that need uh, medical help, no questions asked, then you go there. Um, it's got Jeff Goldblum in it, who looks the fucking nuts uh, when he shows up in that scene in the trailer. Um, but yeah, basically, it's a, it has rules. The rules are not to be broken. You're not allowed weapons. You're not allowed this. You're not allowed that. But because of the film, the rules are starting to get broken and all hell breaks loose in a kind of smoky racist Style. Sorry, man. Like I totally zoned out of what you were saying there because, like, when you mentioned Jeff Goldblum, like I started thinking of stuff from him, and then like got that bit from Thor Ragnarok stuck in my head where like they're in the ship, and uh, it's like images of him over going, "It's my birthday." Uh, it's, it's so good. He it's is, so good. He's the gift that keeps on giving. He's the only one that came out of Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom unscathed. Yeah, yeah. He was I, only, only in it for like three minutes. Yes, he was. Right, the Daft Punk film is called Daft Punk's Electroma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. It was a it was one hour fourteen minutes long of absolute of, tedium. Yeah, which I went into the user reviews on IMDb. Currently has a seven point ten, seven point zero out of ten average. However, see the user reviews. Spoke here giving it like 8 out of 10, 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10 masterpiece. Yeah, you're always going to get a film like that. You're always gonna what get fucking film did they watch? Like, I think though, like, I would be interested to watch it again knowing what it is. 
because like I was expecting it something to be like really heavily influenced by their music and like it wasn't yeah. at all in fact like if I remember right it barely had any music in it at all and then there was one sequence where they played Bob Dylan for a bit and uh, a lot of That's it right. was just imagery of them walking through the desert and like their face well, melting at some point another interesting thing about Daft Punk I mean Tron Legacy yeah. That oh was, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, 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 that fucking that's yeah, yeah. so me. That was like Daft Punk are doing the soundtrack. But it's like, a sequel to Tron. It, yeah. Okay. That that and, Electroma or Electroma or whatever it's called, like, seems like the type of film that the ideal way to watch it is if you're at a pub or a nightclub and it is on yeah. a projector with no fucking. Uh, you just kind of watch it for a wee yeah. bit. Yeah. Like, I just. Yeah, like, I'd be interested to see it again. Like, it seems like the sort of film where, as well, if you're, like, fucking mega hungover... Or, uh, I, I think I would have, have to be pretty high to watch yeah. that again. Like, that seems like a Sunday morning, like, I'm uncomfortable if I move, but I'm uncomfortable if I stay still. Like, hey, I've just been on it too much sort of film. Well, anyway... Speaking of films, let's get to the reviews. 10 out of 10, yes. masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> Neil, did you see Sicario 2? No, I didn't, but I don't mind just talking about it. So That's, well, we'll talk about we'll talk about Whitney. Um, I, I've actually, get, I've, given that we've not been on for about two weeks, I've got about one, two, three, four... I've got a whole five, six counting Whitney, actually, films we can discuss... I'm telling you right now, man, we are not doing that. Okay. <laughs> I, I'll maybe talk about two of them and just mention what they were. Right, run through them fast then, man. Right. Give us the highlights. Okay. Them first. Fucking, this is the quick fire round. <laughs> Film one. Right, well, do you remember a few, must be a couple months now, I went to see Blockers. Right. And get chucked and then, out yeah, you, end you got chucked out? I thought you left. I, no, it was a fire alarm. All right, okay, right. You know, remember that story? When right. you said it there, though, like I thought, like somebody had actually forcibly removed you. No. Right. Anyway, blockers. So you went back anyway. and saw the rest of it. How was it? So I've suddenly seen the rest of it now, and I'm glad I watched the last half of it because I... it ended up being good, or because it yeah, changed... I thought it was alright. I quite enjoyed it. Right. Film number two. <laughs> Film number two. Incident in a ghost land. Innocent Incident in a ghost land. Incident in a ghost land. Okay. It's a new film by Pascal Lugier, who you may remember directed Martyrs, like the original one, not the uh, American remake. Uh, it's uh, kind of what you would expect from a Lugier film. It's pretty brutal. It's about uh, this mother and her two daughters inherit a house in the country uh, there's a home invasion uh, the mother gets killed daughters escape jumps forward in the future no sorry, mother doesn't get killed and the daughters escape right, jumps scrap forward that, was it good? it was alright, yeah right, third movie. If, if you like kind of kind of grim kind of horror films it's worth, worth that okay uh, I watched Warcraft Oh, right, it's in the Duncan Jones world of Warcraft. Yeah, we talked about that briefly. It was so fucking bad. Yeah, it's fucking terrible. Should be fucking ashamed of himself. Uh, The only things I really have to say about that is I love the ending of it, but not for what happens, but for the way that they set up like seven different storylines expecting to get a sequel. 
they're not getting any fucking yeah, sequel. Fuck those guys. Do you know but, what I really remember that film? It's like there's a bit where somebody turns somebody else into a sheep and uh, the people who obviously play World of Warcraft in the cinema laughed and then the people mm. who didn't did not laugh. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Uh, the other thing is for a film which must have had a massive budget, like Blizzard's not going not gonna to sign off on something going the look shape. This thing looked like shape. a bad FMT game. Yeah. It was so bad. Okay, next. Because um, of a conversation I had about Hereditary, I went back and watched uh, Triangle. Oh, yeah. Uh, horror film with Melissa George about this group of folk who go on a boat ride, end up in the Bermuda Triangle, get shipwrecked, go onto this uh, kind of haunted-looking uh, ocean liner, and they all start getting picked off. Turns out they're in a time loop, much like the Mobius loop, uh, where it turns out that Melissa George is both the hero and the villain. It was rubbish. Don't watch it. It's okay. Is it better than Ghost Ship? I quite like Ghost Ship. <laughs> uh, yeah, I quite like Ghost Ship. <laughs> What's your, uh, your favourite movie set on like a, a kind of ghost-like ship or abandoned ship? Not even movie, but TV shows. Well, I've, I'm thinking of the X Files episode the, where the they're on the line. That's in the Bermuda Triangle. That yeah, one. That yeah. one's fucking great. It is fucking awesome, man. Poseidon Adventure, like the original, or the remake, Neil. The original remake's terrible. Okay. Mm-hmm. Was Kurt Russell in that? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I think he was the Gene Hackman role. Next film. Right. This one. This is the last one before we start talking. That I'm actually going to kind of give you an extra wee bit. I watched Leatherface. Which oh. is like a prequel to it's, the it's, Texas Chainsaw. Right. You it's, I find this quite interesting because it's a prequel to the original film. Yeah. And there's actually now two timelines in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre universe. Oh, of course there is, because that's what it needs. Yeah. So this is an actual prequel to the, the original but it's also a prequel to Texas Chainsaw 3D, the one that came out in 2013, mm. because the ones, the, the Platinum June ones, are, they're the reboot timeline, so they don't exist in this timeline. Right, okay. So, um, it's got Lily Taylor, who you might know from The Conjuring. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got Stephen Dorff, who you might know from Blade. The best Blade movie, the right. best Blade villain. Terrible. Um, that motherfucker was always trying to ice skate uphill. Couple of thing, couple of things about this. Um, oh, it's also it's directed by Alexandra Bustillo, who you may know as a director of Inside, French home invasion thing, where the woman does the C section. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's a belt on movie. I haven't man. seen it, but I know. Yeah, you have. You must okay. have, I must have given you that. You, yeah, you got it, and like we both watched it, because I've seen it, and I wouldn't have watched it on my own, because I generally avoid that kind of slocky shit. Um, but like, I don't uh, recall it. It was okay. actually all right. It was, like a, it was French, right? Aye. Uh, yeah, it was like a, there was like a woman who was barren, but she wanted a kid, and she knew that this other woman was pregnant, so like she invades the house and like is essentially trying to... Like get the kid out of the woman, and like there's ah. a bit where she's like totally stabbing the scissors through the door and yeah, stuff, and like yeah, nah, she's yeah. her hand, and like <clears throat> yeah. 
Yeah. That was fucking cool, actually. Yeah, it's a good movie. Uh, so, basic story is, uh, you see this guy, uh, Jebediah Sawyer, as a kid, uh, at his birthday party, uh, you get you see all his family around him, and it's, his, it's a room from the original where they have the dinner scene, and they've got this guy hostage, and the mother's going, here's your birthday present, drops a chainsaw in front of him, makes him go and chainsaw this guy to death. Cut to a wee bit later on, uh, they kill the sheriff's daughter, and the sheriff is Stephen Dorff. Uh, he's an arsehole. Yep. We're, made, we're made to know he's an arsehole sheriff. So he comes in, they take all the, all the kids away from uh, Verna Sawyer, who's Lily Taylor, and they're at jump time, they're in the mentalist island, kind of children's home. Uh, Jedwadai is now called Jackson, and his brother's called Bud. His brother is a mentally challenged gentleman of size, quite a big guy. So immediately think, all right, that cunt's going to be Leatherface then. No. This Jackson Sawyer becomes Leatherface. After a series of incidents, so after the escape. Spoilers, I guess. Classic switch. I don't route. care. Nobody's going to watch this. Who cares? That's true. Uh, so my issue with this film is that because it's this wee skinny guy who has no real mental problems to begin with, his anger issues develop over time, and the reason he doesn't speak is because he gets shot in the jaw and it breaks all his jaw up, so he quite has his jaw tightened. It's going to be a recurring theme today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, it felt unearned that he became Leatherface. It does, right. it sounds unearned. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah so it sounds I, like I, something that kind of they've just done for shock value rather than actual. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's just to swerve the audience. And, and also, there's nothing in the film that goes on to explain because this is a direct uh, prequel to the original to explain to why all his masks are female or why he's always in female clothing that just must become a thing by the time the the original rolls along it's like these are the kind of questions that a prequel like this should answer and it's also one of the reasons why a prequel shouldn't be made because you're like you know what we don't need that. that's what I was thinking Tommy it's like more yeah. a case of, we don't need the fucking yeah. answers to that we don't, the yeah. mistake of a character that, that, that is sometimes better this is the thing with this film is like, it's entirely unnecessary but it was actually okay okay think Tommy if you're sitting in the house you can fuck all to do for an hour and a half because it is only about an hour and a half it's quite short mm-hmm it's maybe worth having a look at. I don't know if I need to now, man. You've told me how it goes. <laughs> Do you guys want to talk about Whitney? Oh, what, hold on, actually. What's the biggest film this week? I don't know. It's probably Tag. I mean, Sicario 2 was last week, right? Tag? Well, Sicario 2... Well, it might be. What, what we haven't spoken about it. I don't mind if you well, what one you want to talk about last. It's not a problem. Yeah, that's, that's essentially what I'm asking here. Like, what's... Do you want to talk about Sicario too? Like we didn't talk about it on the show because we didn't have a show last week. Well, let's do that. We'll do that first. Like, see how that's yeah, the longer film. Um, so, what's this one called? It's called like uh, Soldado. Soldado or something. Yeah. yeah, which in Spanish means soldier. I think. Yes. Um, so, I didn't really remember much about the first Sicario mm-hmm. when I was watching this. Like, yeah. I, I kind of vaguely remembered 
uh, like a sequence. I'm sure I've mentioned this on the podcast before, where Benicio del Toro is like sitting at somebody's table, and it's quite a menacing sequence. It is, yeah. And I remember Josh Brolin betraying uh, is it Emily Blunt, yeah, uh, who was like the protagonist in the first film. I the first movie was like a horror movie, right? No, well, the, the idea of the first film is like she's an FBI agent. And then she's recruited at like border control to take down the cartels by Brolin um, and Benicio uh, del Toro. But really, she's it ends up being it's not really about her. She's used for her jurisdiction, and she's used for the fact that she's an FBI agent and she can um, sign off on a lot of things. And Brolin and del Toro they're, are they're they're allowed to do a lot of stuff. Yeah, they're they're skimming money off the top of it basically. They're they're, ba- they're, they're being, both they're both bad bastards. They're sketchy. That's the the whole yeah. thing is Emily Blunt is drawn into this scenario where it's like uh she's only trying to do the right thing and she feels like she's doing the right thing, but really the agenda is Brolin and uh Del Toro's. Yeah. So like this one's Del Toro's up. you see the scene you're talking about Del Toro ultimately is out for revenge because they kill his daughter. They kill his wife and his daughter. So the yeah. scene you're talking about is He's there to take revenge, and right, he fucking right. blows away the, so, the daughter and the wife. So this one, guy. this one is actually largely unrelated to the first one at all. Like the the only thing that really does carry over is though the the personalities of the two of them and the fact that Benito del Toro had his wife and kid murdered by the cartels. Those well, are the only two things that I, really connect. Yeah, films. because in the first Sicario, uh, again, it's it's been out for ages, guys. So sorry about spoilers. In the first Sicario. Del Toro ultimately gets his revenge, but there was a guy behind the guy. Right. So he it then becomes a thing of Brolin saying, "We've been let off the leash, um, and we can actually get the guy." Yeah. No. This this one is like starts off like a there's a terrorist attack at the border, and it's believed that Muslims have came illegally from Mexico mm-hmm. because it's easier to get to America by boat. Through Mexico now, Aye, because like, of all the, yeah. because of all the the limitations on air travel, mm-hmm. uh, so like that leads to a crackdown on the border patrol, and uh, <coughs> Brolin gets authorization from the government to like create a group that has more freedom to just pursue the cartels. Basically, yeah, it's the uh, yeah, to, it's, it's to it's to find out. Who it's, it's, sorry, it's, sorry, the definition of cartels has changed. To now be labelled as terrorists, which then gives them more freeway to interfere with the cartels. Yeah, because it's like one essentially the, they set up. Yeah, because one of the things Brolin's asked is uh, when he's when he's being recruited by the government, is like, right, what do you think's the most valuable thing? And he says in the eighties, everything cuts come out of like Mexico or to come out of the cartels. Yeah, he said like, okay, and now he says people. Yeah. So because folk are being trafficked back and forth. Like there's folk at the Mexican border and the American uh, border where. Right. Uh, Can I ask a quick question? Yeah. Because I, I worked out uh, about a week ago that I hadn't actually seen the first one. Oh, right. I didn't watch it over the course of this week. Hence why I've not seen two yet. Right. Um, does it, is it set in Mexico or is it set in America? Both. Both. Okay, how do they have jurisdiction because... to go into Mexico? They get federal No, food. no, they don't on that part. Like, mm-hmm. uh, their jurisdiction is just with the uh, Mexico border and Texas. Yeah, but right. on the American You're talking about yeah, on, one or two? On, no, in, in two. In one, they get federal, they get, they get federal access. Uh, I don't want to tell you if you've seen it. In the second one, 
basically the, it's a black ops yeah, mission. The, the second one right, is okay. essentially it's a black like, ops mission. They, That's all I needed to know is yeah, black ops. They, they right. get like tasked with a uh, disrupting the cartels and like basically turning them against each other. This yeah. is all early. This is all first act stuff. Like, it's right. not really big spoilers. So it's like the the first kind of maybe forty minutes of the film is like more of a kind of political drama where it's all about them forming this squad and deciding how to disrupt the cartels, yeah. like in a yeah. you know allegiance have, with each other. Yeah, but they have to keep it quiet, obviously, because of U.S. Yeah. Mexico relations. So like yeah, essentially, so and to the court, to the Mexican government, they are a terrorist force. Yeah, like they, they, they get the, the whole kind of spiel about like no one has to tell you what happens if you get caught. Like they're just going to get denied yeah. to right. to be working for the That's US government. Uh, but like the the way they go about it is like Josh Brolin creates this team and he brings in Benicio del Toro's character, who is just like uh, he's a mercenary for hire, pretty much. He's, he's like right. a total badass, but like he's also got like a grudge against the cartels uh, because they killed his wife and kid, uh, and specifically the reason he joins. Uh, Josh Brolin in this one is because the cartel guy that he's targeting is the one who killed his wife and right. kid specifically, uh, which gives him like a, a kind of total private uh, personal reason for it. Yeah, but like the crux of the movie changes from like what would have been like a total <laughs> mundane, like just gangster esque power struggle, because uh, like that's the setup for it. That's what you kind of led to believe is going to be the the kind of the bulk of the film, and it actually becomes about. A botched black op, which I don't even want to. I don't think it's in the trailer. No, I don't want to describe it further. Really, yeah, we can't like, really say anymore. Essentially, it's just like everything that they plan just goes south, uh, and like it results in a lot of really fucking tense sequences, yeah. like similar in style to the Kingdom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like I mean, like it's that vibe. It's that like oh fuck everything's gone wrong. Yeah, like, like Sicario one's directed. Uh, by the end of the kingdom's fucking amazing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sicario one is directed by Denny Villeneuve, and it's also written by the guy who did Hell or High Water. He also directed one of my favorite movies of last year, Wind River, and he wrote it. <clears throat> uh, Taylor Sheridan, I think his name is. Um, but anyway, the Sicario one is very is very cold and tense, and it's got this fucking brutality to it. Sicario Two gets that tone as well. Yeah, it then, but like, but it's a lot muddier though. Like everything I, in this is like, it, it's like the the like Josh Brolin and Benicio del Toro fucking carry this movie amazingly well. The two of them like they're really good. They're, at it. they're both really unlikable. <clears throat> Benicio del Toro kind of redeems himself like a, a bit, but then doesn't. <laughs> but yeah, like it's it's just a really odd film. There there are no protagonists in it. Nobody is a good guy in this film at all on either side. Mm. Uh, it has a really good child actor in it. Yeah. Uh, like, <coughs> I have no idea. I actually meant to look up what her name was. Like, I have no idea what it is. Yeah. But like, from the get-go, from the first scene that she is in, she steals the show. She is a really, really good actress. Oh, like, she must good. only be, like, 10 or 12 years old. Yeah. Again, um, man, it's like without saying too much. It's you'll. I think you'll dig it, but uh, check out Sicario One. Yeah, because you'll get that vibe, you'll get that tone, and then Sicario Two, Legion, Sicario Two. Like I, I mean? I've, I've no intention of doing spoilers for this at all just nah. now. Like I think this movie is worth watching. Ah. Uh, I don't even generally usually like these types of films. I thought this one was really engaging. Yeah, uh, I think Sicario One's better than it, but Sicario Two definitely strikes the same tone. 
that sets up the first one. My only thing about it, and I'm not gonna. This is not spoiling it. Is it wasn't. It wasn't. It didn't have that brutal punch come the end. I thought Sicario Two was a wee bit more softer. I, do you know what, man? Like, yeah, but I liked that about it. Like, especially considering the current climate, like all this stuff that's happening with illegal immigrants and mm. immigration stuff in America, mm. which is exactly where this is set. Yeah, like in present day as well. I guess. Yeah. Like, uh, this could have been, like. A way different film, like with all this stuff surrounding it right now, the way that film ends, I actually kind of enjoyed. Like, as as Tommy kind of says, it's like <coughs> the ending of it is a wee bit kind of life affirming. I think, yeah, just a bit, just, just a bit, just a bit. But it still has that fucking cold, grim, fucking drama to yeah. you. Know, I, I really like the soundtrack to it. I think the soundtrack's really fucking cool, man. It it definitely. Yeah. Brings up tension and drama to, uh, like to the, the film. The, and the, the cinematography, like fucking outstanding. Like there's so <laughs> many again, like just being this kind of military esque, uh, you know, film. Mm-hmm. Like a modern military film. Like you've seen a fucking million of these, but like this one has so many shots that you've never seen before. Yeah. Like uh, there's like one where they cross the U.S. Mexico border, and like it's a total, complete top-down shot. Uh, they're a uh, motorcade going through the the border and then being joined by the police. Yeah. Like that shot, it was absolutely fantastic. It's just all yeah. the cars converging and kind of moving up the highway together. Yeah. I, motorway freeway. I've seen I've seen shots like that before. Uh, not like this though. It was like really, really kind of strategically done really kind of precise in its kind of um, execution I looked at the cinematographer it's not the same because the first one is director Denny Villeneuve I'm fairly sure it's Roger Deakins that's the cinematographer for the first one so you know it looks fucking fantastic yeah but this one I thought it was the same cinematographer because I was like this looks like the same team you know what I mean they, they, yeah. this is taken on by a team that got the first one they kind of know what is expected of this one, and they 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 took the ball and ran with it. It's just well. like it's one of those things where we're like, or kind of one of our criticisms of the Star Wars a solo movie uh, was that like it could have been directed by anyone. This is like a really distinct visual to it. You know, it's, mm-hmm. like, it's got like there are shots in it that you don't usually see other places. Like you know, in a way that kind of makes you actually stop and appreciate it. It's well crafted. Yeah, um, it was good. Like I enjoyed it. <clears throat> uh, well, I mean, it's probably going to get a limited release, but we talk about Whitney, Neil. Would you say Whitney was well-crafted, Tommy? A very well-crafted documentary. Very well-crafted. Um, it took me through the pacings of someone's life. I mean, we talked about this earlier, about someone's life where there's at points, um, I kind of, the, the, the back of my head, knowing that the conclusion <clears throat> of this person's life, uh, this wee nagging voice was silenced for a wee while, and then as it went from Act one to two to three, I was like, "Fuck!" You know, it, the, the realize that not so much the realization, the acceptance of what was going to happen, and the tone shifted very well. I thought Kevin McDonald did really well uh, telling the the story of Whitney Houston's career and ultimately the tragic death of her. I, I found it to be very well put together. The way he used, like, used a lot of flash, a flash, like. Essentially, a mont- montage shots. Yeah, for, flash for, for years to pass uh, to, to cover the passage of time. Yes, I thought they were very well done. Absolutely, because they also, as she deteriorated, mm-hmm. obviously more negative images were used. Absolutely, all, which also showed the progression of like the nineties 
in at the opt, things like that. Yeah, because you get that uh, whole thing of as her career is taking off and you've got like her early hits like I Want to Dance with Somebody and it's t- it shows you like hit after hit after hit and uh, flash cuts of shows and awards and all that and then like you said the tone changes drastically yeah. when obviously the drug abuse and, and his, his use of sound as well yeah uh, was fantastic because it wasn't just oh here's a song here's a bit of a song here's a bit of a song he stripped a lot of stuff down uh-huh. <clears throat> used a lot of just uh, act, not well it would have been the the vocal take of each song mm-hmm. and integrated that and kind of building it. Yeah. Uh, it was very well done. Yeah, there was a lot of times where you got voice clips of Whitney Houston talking about, like, you know, a certain dream she has where she's running from the devil. And then it, you, you get that. And then later on, it harks back to that clip about certain kind of, tra- mm. like, the tragedy that kind of unfolded. Um, yeah, man, I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. Um, unlike, unlike, unlike you... I wasn't able to disassociate myself with the ending for any part of it. I just felt that like, all the stuff where you've kind of had that, oh, it's nice, this is quite good yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. I was like, oh, man, this is grim, knowing how it ends. Yeah. I think it's because a lot of it, like, pre-Bodyguard, the only thing I really knew is, yeah, Whitney Houston had an album or two I didn't really know anything about her early life or, you know, anything about the... I'm more like, oh, after The Bodyguard, you're like, that's when she hit the headlines a lot about, you know, this... Uh, I still like The Bodyguard, it's a good movie. Um, Bodyguard's all right. Aye. Um, but there's a lot... A lot to be said that you didn't know about her, and it's a, that's, again, a lot of folk... Like, sorry, a lot of the thing was, you well, know, never be seen footage, never this, and it revealed a lot yeah. about her personality. McDonald's his... certainly got a lot more access than Nick Broomfield did for his documentary. Right. Uh, like a lot more access to people and obviously footage and stuff like that yeah. but I found see some of McDonald's interviews uh-huh. I don't think he pushed hard enough on them yeah like the, Bob, the Bobby Brown interview where he just goes nah drugs wasn't the issue yeah. it's like he just kind of goes oh well so you're not going to talk about it and nah because it wasn't, it wasn't your life and it clearly was and you I just know. get nothing more from that but again and and even like the brothers mm-hmm. who are just as implicit in it yeah. kind of skirted around a lot of that stuff. Yeah. And then as you if get like. They're kind of scared that they'll get indicted. Yeah. And then it's like you get some of the folk, like the production assistant and all that, and they're saying, like, yeah, Kevin McDonald's like asking, well, so why didn't they be stopped? It's like they're afraid their lifestyles would change. Yeah. It's like the money would stop, their private jet and their swimming pool, all that. That would all stop because, yeah. you know, she would then stop. And the income would stop, and then some of the shit where her fucking dad was bad. But Bobby Brown just came across, he came across a fucking idiot. He really, really ah, just, it's like, you, he, you, he you're was not being a, honest to yourself. lucky for a couple of singles. Yeah, you're like, man, you are not being honest. I mean, it's like, it's almost like you're not taking the, res- by not talking about it, you're not taking responsibility for the fact that you had a lot to do with this. He's an innocent yeah. man, Tommy. <laughs> um,. Sorry, I've been sitting like on that joke since you guys started talking about Bobby Brown. Yeah. Like, I, I apologise; it is terrible. And, but like, but yeah, yeah <laughs> but when when the the whole thing about the child abuse thing was revealed, I was like, "Are we going to find out?" And then you do find out who it was. See, I I kind of heard that rumor before. Oh, I do. So, I, up to that point, 
Yeah. In the film, I kind of thought, can't believe they've no tackled that. Yeah, I actually didn't know they had a kid. I didn't know that. I had no idea, and then I obviously I didn't know about the tragic end to their fifteen-year-old child or whatever uh, how old she was. Um, I didn't know any of that. Um, but there were certain things as well. I was like, all right, I didn't know that, and I don't know. It just, the, the documentary it just did really well to reveal everything. I don't want to say an appropriate time, but in a very well flown like program. Yeah, it, 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 it had a very clear narrative. Yes. Did, you, did either of you guys actually have any particular interest in Whitney Houston before yeah, this? Yeah, like Whitney yeah. Houston. I mean, yeah, like uh, from the songs I've heard of hers, yeah, I mean, you can't deny, like, in terms of uh, singing talent, unbelievable. Mm. Uh, again, I like The Bodyguard, uh, I like some of her, like, 80s stuff, and even. Or late nineties R and B stuff was okay, you know. Mm-hmm. But I never, I would never, you know. But it's it's a documentary about. I like documentaries. Yeah, yeah you're you know really I mean? those things. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. again, not really an F one, but like I remember seeing Senna and just been thinking that was fucking great. What a really well crafted film. Um, I think this is a documentary that it's it kind of rattles along at a good enough pace mm-hmm. and is entertaining and the horrifying things it's telling you mm-hmm. that for people who aren't really that who had no interest in the subject matter to begin with mm-hmm. would probably still find something in it they enjoy yeah I mean I remember like asking you about you know like, you weren't really interested in it but see some of like see some of the music in it I think you'd really fucking dug some of like, the soul stuff yeah. in it is really good like our, our mum's stuff is really good but at the same time though man I would rather just listen to the music rather than I mean, yeah. I mean, okay. Uh, like it just that—that's that, not me slating uh, Whitney Houston. It's him slating slight, slight the human race because he has <laughs> no interest in people. It's like I just—I don't really care for documentaries or biopics. No, but like, sometimes uh, you're surprised by them. Like I remember when we went and seen uh, Get On Up, and you fucking couldn't—you loved yeah, that movie. Yeah, that was good. Loved it. And it is a really good movie, but I mean, I, you really fucking enjoyed that film. I was like, yeah, but like you gave something a chance that you didn't think of that, and you were slightly surprised at it. It did help the fact that he had a lot of fucking great music. Yeah. Um, and Chadwick Boseman was really good in it. I've um, been sitting here trying to remember who played James Brown in that, and it was Chadwick Boseman. Ah, he was fantastic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was Whitney. Like Neil said, it's. You might not be in, particularly into it, but it, it, the film is good. I think it's really well made enough that even if you have a passing interest, I mean, you. NDR age or whoever would know who Whitney fucking Houston is you're like yeah but even if you don't know much about her this is a really intriguing and revealing documentary about the tragic life of one of the best voices of the last 40 odd years or whatever okay so that brings us to Tag I guess our film of the week oh fuck I Tag the uh, Jeremy Renner Ed Helms movie Tag where a group of friends have been playing the same game of tag for like 30 years yeah. and it's helped keep them close. Uh, so you see in the trailer that like they'd even play it at funerals and weddings and Jeremy Renner is essentially still Hawkeye in it because like, he does stuff that like mm-hmm. seems like his character from the Mission Impossible movies. But it's great in that uh, sense. It so really like, I, I didn't watch it. Did you watch it, Neil? Yeah, you watched yeah, it. yeah. So you guys, what, what did you watch this week, Paco? I mean, Sicario Two was like the one. Ah, okay, that was, that was last week. You saw at least one thing. Yeah, <laughs> that that was my get out cause here. Um, yeah, tag like Paco said in the trailer. It's got like well, it's got it's got Ed Helms, Ed Helms, 
John Hammond, that, that, yeah, that's the scenario. And you're like, ah. And Jeremy Renner has never been it, and he's about to like retire from the game. Yeah, so, so they Ed Helms, John Hamm, and their pals are like, right, we're going to buddy up and we're going to get him before he retires. And it just happens to be that Jeremy Renner's getting married, so they have to put their try to plan around that and uh, get it done then. Uh, it's, you know, it's completely forgettable, but it's it's an enjoyable like 100 minutes, honestly. Yeah, I, I, I thought of his. It was decent for what it was. Yeah. Um, I giggled a lot. There's, so there seems to be kind of a, a slight resurgence in more, I don't want to say grown up comedies, but comedies for our generation, mm-hmm. which are kind of relatable in a way. Yeah. Yeah, the whole film kind of talks about, like, oh, um, you stop, you, you, it's like you stop playing when you grow up and. This kind of thing has helped their friendship because a lot of friends just kind of go off and do their own thing, and that doesn't mean to say that they don't. Like John has a successful businessman, uh, Redders like a, he owns like a health uh, a health and fitness uh, company. Um, one of their pals is a stoner who just chills with his dad, played by Brian Dennehy. Um This is meant to be based on a true story as well. It is as well. It is based on. You true see story. footage of the actual yeah, guys at the end. end. Yeah, yeah. like. Obviously, this will be more dramatized. Like, no, oh yeah, they'd yeah, be yeah, yeah, But yeah. there's aspects you see at the end of the film where you see the actual guys where they've incorporated into like Ed Helms is dressed as a granny and he's trying to get redder. And there's a bit where they're on golf carts trying to tag each other. But it's really there's funny a bit where because that guy would have died. Yeah, it's like there's so Ed Helms and that they all get together going to do it. And they're like, right, we're going to get him. And Jeremy Redder's intro into the film is really, really cool. It's like, they, they, they prank call, said, right, um, oh, the we- the wedding's off because the venue's been double booked. And Redder, like, gets out of the car. You don't see his face so that. And he walks up and he goes at this really I dark like the, house. He drives this bright red sports car. <laughs> yeah. It screams into the shop and, come and kind of slides around. Yeah. Uh, and it's like a kind of cool guy for and it, the door opens and just out comes this fruit and it's like a cowboy film. Yeah, and then he kind of marches up. Is it, is it like the cowboy's entrance in inner space? A wee bit. But yeah, the point is, yeah, but then he walks into this dark room and he's just kind of like, knows what's going on. He's like, hello boys. And then, you know like the Sherlock Holmes films where Sherlock Holmes is planning yeah, how he's going to defensively yeah, take things. Yeah, yeah. He does that. He's got like the voiceover narration and you just, it's all this really See, I, I took that absolutely unselling me on this film. I, 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 just, I took that as a direct piss take of that. Yeah, so did I. It was like an over the top, like a lot of the it's scenes just, are over the top action scenes of them just trying to play tag where it involves tables getting under, t- like folk going through windows and it's all because of this game of tag. Is that this great bit, this great bit where he's just tossing donuts at Eddie Helms' <laughs> yeah. face but he's super accurate with it. Yeah. They keep hitting him in each cheek and the voice over his head is, I'm super accurate with these donuts, man. Yeah, he's like John, he, uh, John Hans character, he's like, his ego's going to let him down because right now he's thinking how great he is and it just cuts to John Hamm running in slow motion thing. I'm going to do it. I am the greatest man ever kind of thing. So it plays really well. One of the other yeah. things I really enjoyed about it is something that we complain a lot is when a film is just, yeah, just ad-lib fucking max and that oh, yeah, reigns it in. It's like, let's some ad-lib a wee bit but it's scripted enough where it's not just, right, let's do seven takes of you doing different ad-lib jokes. Mm-hmm. Um uh, but they're, they're palling it's really good he does a couple ad-libbing things in it and he's really funny at doing it but again it's reined in and it's quite it's quite life affirming some of it you know I mean, yeah it's, it's, like, it's quite it's a, it's a nice by the end of it you kind of feel 
it's quite pretty, nice. Yeah, it's one of these kind of nice comedies. Yeah, it's. It, I'll probably forget it by the end of the year. It's not going to make any top five yeah. lists, but it was a nice hundred minutes to spend on a Sunday afternoon. What about top five forgettable movies? Would you make that list? No, no. <laughs> but it's the same as like I like the film Fifty Fifty, but I never talk about it. Is that the cancer one? Yeah. Yeah. Right. right. With yeah. uh, Joseph Gordon, yeah, it's, it's, it's like I, I like Pineapple Express, but never talk about it. Oh no, but I'll, I'll, Pineapple Express has kind of stood the test of time a wee bit. I think that film's got enough of a kind of wee cult following uh, that it's in there. But I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Have you guys got anything else to say about it? No, it's just a, it's a really enjoyable little. I comedy. think if if you've got nothing, if you've got nothing on, and if there's nothing else on. It's definitely worth your time. Yeah, you'll probably quite enjoy it. Yeah, everyone's good at it. You won't. You won't feel your life has changed by it. You'll probably forget you've seen it by the next week. Yep. Or at least you'll remember you've seen it. You just can't remember anything that happens in it. Yeah. Um. Everyone. For that. Sorry, you Neil. No, you've ruined it. You've broken them. We've lost them. Uh, I'm still here. There he is, he's back. Um, all I was going to say was um, everyone is good in it. Renner is perfectly cast. He should yeah. be that character He's because he's Hawkeye and because he was in The Bourne Legacy. John Hamm continues to be really good at uh, doing the old comedy. Um, I really enjoy John Hamm and comedies. Yeah. Ed Helms is I mean, Ed Helms. You've said his name like a million times, man, but I cannot picture who John Hamm is. The guy from Mad Men. Yeah. I've never watched Mad Men. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know if you've seen him in anything. Uh, right. Who else? Uh, Ed Helms is Ed Helms. Isla Fisher is really cool in it. Yeah, um, she's frightening. Uh, yeah, she's frightening. Was that is that Elsa Pataki as a journalist? Uh, do you know what? I think it might be. Um, also, I fucking. Yeah, I think it is. Um, she's pretty good. Yeah, and Rashida Jones just does this little cameo in it, and you're like, all right. I recognise that name as well. That, but she's in Parks no, and Rec. That's maybe my one quibble about it. I felt Rashida Jones being there and the storyline that it brought on. It was a bit empty. It was superfluous. Yeah, it was it just. It like it was just tacked on. Yeah, but again, it's that whole thing of Renner's like ultimate plan to like, you know, divide and conquer that kind of thing. But again, yeah, it, just, it was just kind of, kind of there. Yeah, it's like I would never have believed she was at the, the at the end. Mm-hmm. But it's it's cool as well because like they're trying to get Renner right, but Renner is already he's already thought about different things on how to get them. And there's a bit where after a golf cart scene chase, it reminded me of Predator. And actually, one of the guys actually quotes well, Predator saying, "I see you," and I was uh, like, "That's by, quite cool." That's okay, it also in Blockers. Oh, sorry, of course, <laughs> yes. Uh, I still haven't seen that, but you've told me it's good. I'll get a watch. Oh, did you miss all that stuff when I was talking about blockers? Unfortunately, yeah, he, yes. he, yeah, left the room at that point. I totally Anyway, it was um, worth watching. I, yeah, um, so that was Tag. That is the movie of the week. Uh, next week, I believe, is it Mission Impossible? Pretty sure it's Mission Impossible. I, I think you'll find next week is The Incredibles Two, Tommy. Yes, which has been getting positive. But also Brad, Brad Burt has been taking a lot of shit on Twitter yes, about that along from angry parents to which yeah. Brad Bird has been replying going get fucked Wait, why? he's basically saying it's a PG right. he's like it's just not a it's, kids film 
Yeah, so all these parents are going that it's too long, there's is too much exposition, it's not a kid's film. And Brad Bird is going, no, it's not a kid's film. And other folk are complaining about there's like cuss words apparently. And really? how and this guy was like, Oh, I didn't hear the cuss words, but uh it was hard enough to get my daughter to sit through it because it's so long and there's so much exposition. And Brad Bird goes, Well, is this how, is it just because it's animated? You immediately think it's like a kid's film. Is this how you is this how you judge uh, Marvel films or Star Wars? films by their length or the fact that your kid's in a place where it can't get up and down, run around do other things at the same time and he's just taking no shit off these parents. Good. Fantastic. Mm, there you go. Oh well, Incredibles 2 and I think, I'm pretty sure Mission Impossible Fallout so it's our 14th and 17th. I didn't see the two of them opening on the same day. No, nah, they won't. No, will they fuck? That's crazy. It must be Incredibles 2 then. Anyway, yeah. regardless we'll have seen a bunch of stuff. We'll talk about a I, bunch I, of stuff. I've seen Incredibles 2. Okay, well, we will. We'll have stuff to talk about regardless. Um, anyway, that was our episode. Rappers in the kitchen. Okay, we're not doing the like subscribe, like that kind of stuff. Yeah, doing, we should probably like, jump uh, in a bit. Facebook okay. pages. We're gonna keep like in, We're gonna keep in the awkward silence. We were like we kind of thought we were ending the show, but then like Neil's right. Like, if you yeah. want to get in touch with us, like, mm-hmm. uh, you can get to us on Twitter at Raptors Podcast. I'm at Paco RUK. Tommy's at Vast Destruction. Mm. Neil is at Scorch808. If you like and listen to the show, please share it because we're not paying Facebook. They're a bunch of cunts. Uh, read it on iTunes. Find it on SoundCloud, on Facebook, on Twitter. Mm. Like, uh, you know, force your grand to listen to it. She might enjoy it. Who knows? No, Tommy's done. Like a so that was Raptors in the kitchen for the week of the sixth of July, twenty eighteen, uh, and we're done.